Many organizations have not clearly defined the scope of product management. So, you know, if you ask anybody, what does this person do in support of you? They're going to say technical, tactical things, right? And the same is true with sales, right? If you went to sales VP and said, what do you want product managers to do? They would say, be a sales engineer, go on sales calls, help my guys close deals, right? Yeah. If you go to marketing, they'd say, well, we don't know the products. We know how to do campaigns. We need your words. You know, we need you to give us content. Yeah. And you go to development and they say, oh, we need words too, except they're in the form of stories. You know, as a user, I want this feature so I can have this feature I want. Yeah. Right. So in many organizations, I think that what's happening is these other departments are defining the scope of product management. Yeah. And yet when I visit with leadership, they're saying, where's my business representative? Right. And that's why in some organizations, the VP of product management is in fact the product manager. Yeah. Right. So how do you get out of that? Right. It, the first step is to say, oh, I now understand there's this job that I'm supposed to be doing yeah. and I'm so busy doing uh, so busy supporting other people that I'm not able to do the job that I was hired to do. What will you do to unlock innovation? In today's fast-paced world, innovation might not be enough. Tomorrow's pioneers of change will need to be agile, able to adapt, and committed like never before. Your host, Santa Vending, invites you to listen in and join business leaders from around the world as they share their visions for success in our future business challenges. Welcome to Mind Innovation. I'm your host, Senna Vending, and I'm always excited to learn. And in today's podcast, we're going to talk about strategic product management. I want to welcome Steve Johnson. He's an author, speaker, and chief product officer at Product Growth Leaders. And through his career, he's worked with thousands of managers and product leaders. He has experience with hardware, software, services in different roles like developer, sales rep, sales engineer, product manager, CMO, and CPO. That was a lot of roles. So welcome, Steve. I'm so happy to have you on today. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Good. Let's say, uh, so strategic product managers, they have an important job. So how, how do you define strategic product management? You know, uh, it's one of those things that is kind of hard to describe, actually. Uh, and yet it, it shouldn't be. I, by now, I've been, I've been doing this for 25 years. I should have a really succinct answer for you. Yeah. Uh, but it really is uh, the business of what products do we want to introduce to which markets? Yeah. And uh, what I've seen happen through my career is uh, product managers becoming ever more project managers in uh, dev shops, uh, doing the strategic activity I refer to as reading aloud from JIRA. <laughs> uh, so it seems like for a lot of product teams, the product manager is a little bit project manager, a little bit secretary, a little bit gopher. Uh, and, and yet the real key to strategic product management is being the president and the senior executive teams representative as business leaders. Yeah. So that's, I guess that's a long convoluted answer to strategic product management is the business side of what products do we build and for which markets. Yeah. So I, I did a little research as well, and I, I found like a survey saying that 96%, so just a high number, let's go there, right? So that say that they don't have time for the strategic planning. 
Um, so what, what kind of advice can you give? Because they're saying, you know, how do we become this strategic thinker and not just dragged into all this tactical work? Well, I think the, uh, the first step of any 12-step process is to admit you have a problem, right? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I think when I, when I work with teams, I, I feel like this business orientation is coming to them as new information. And, and I think the reason is many organizations have not clearly defined the scope of product management. Yeah. And so the product managers say, well, what do you need done? You know, and uh, for instance, uh, uh, when when Scrum was invented, <clears throat> uh, the the creators of Scrum did not want to use the, the product manager title because everyone was, was so confused by it. So they created a new title called product owner. Yeah, um, which has generated an equal amount of confusion about what the role is. Uh, but as they defined it the product owner was supposed to be the business representative, the one who comes with information from the market and the stakeholders as to, you know, uh, what, again, what development should be focused on. Uh, but one of the challenges they had is when defining the role of product owner, it was coming from this, it was coming from a developer. So, you know, if you ask anybody, what does this person do in support of you? They're going to say, technical, tactical things, right? And the same is true with sales, right? If you went to sales VP and said, what do you want product managers to do? They would say, be a sales engineer, go on sales calls, help my guys close deals, right? Yeah. If you go to marketing, they'd say, well, we don't know the products. We know how to do campaigns. We need your words. You know, we need you to give us content. Yeah. And yeah. you go to development and they say, oh, we need words too, except they're in the form of stories. You know, as a user, I want this feature so I can have this feature I want. Yeah. Right. So in many organizations, I think that what's happening is these other departments are defining the scope of product management. Yeah. And yet when I visit with leadership, they're saying, where's my business representative? Right. And that's why in some organizations, the VP of product management is in fact the product manager. Yeah. Right. So how do you get out of that? Right. It, the first step is to say, Oh, I now understand there's this job that I'm supposed to be doing yeah. and I'm so busy doing uh, so busy supporting other people that I'm not able to do the job that I was hired to do. Yeah. Uh, one thing that I do in, in some of my courseware is have people keep track of where their time goes. And are you doing product work? Or are you doing solution work? Or are you doing sales work? And uh, it's pretty eye-opening when people come back and say, I didn't do anything in the, in the product management column. Yeah, <laughs> right? yeah. every time, every, all the time just went on all the tactics. Right. Yeah. So, you know, I don't know if there's a, you know, nature fills the vacuum thing, whatever that story is, but it does seem that it's easier, it's easier to be helpful. You know, I'll help marketing, I'll help development, I'll help sales, but wait, now who's doing the job that you were hired to do? And, and one final analogy is <clears throat> your goalie should never be your top scorer in soccer. <laughs> No. Everybody has a, a role to play. Yeah. And unfortunately, product managers seem to be playing, trying to play all positions instead of playing their own. Yeah. 
So what kind of conversation do you have when you go in with a whole leadership team and you, because you have all this experience as well. So what, what kind of conversations do you have so you can get this role freed up and actually concentrating on what they should concentrate on? Well, uh, leadership has the same, in, in, in some ways, the same problem. Uh, I frequently do like executive overviews or executive briefings and um, <laughs> I'll, I'll make, <laughs> well, I'll do it this way. I, I, I had an engagement recently that was so funny. Uh, yeah. uh, the, it was the heads of all the departments and I was told that they had already gone through some education about the role of product management. And, and so I kind of skipped over a couple of things, but anyway, uh, I said, you know, one thing that you expect from product managers, of course, is frequent interaction with customers, you know, going out and observing customers or going out and interviewing customers and a riot broke out in this group. And they went, oh my gosh, no, we don't trust the product managers to talk to our customers. Are you crazy? <laughs> and I'm like, well, who is talking to your customers? And they said, well, sales, of course. Yeah. And I said, well, do they talk to all the customers? Or do, the, do they talk to the three customers that are trying to close this month? Yeah. And they were like, well, they've, they've got, you know, more than three, you know. And I was like, well, well, tell me about a recent interaction. And they said, okay, fine. You know, we just, uh, we just had a meeting with our distributor in Kansas City. And I'm like, and what does that have to do with what we're talking about? Yeah. <laughs> and he goes, well, they're our customer. I said, yeah, but they don't use the product. No, that's just the channel. <laughs> right? <laughs> to sell it. <clears throat> what I found out is no one was talking to actual people who actually bought and used the product. Uh, and that's kind of a famous story about our friends at BlackBerry. I loved my BlackBerry. I loved the people I worked with at BlackBerry when I did work there. Yeah. But they were listening to AT&T and Verizon and Sprint. Yeah. And they were not talking to people who actually use the phone at a time when the president of the United States said, you can't take my BlackBerry away. You yeah. know, it was just so funny that no one had any firsthand experience. So in order to prioritize, in order to identify new product opportunities, in order to understand new markets, somebody has to talk to, listen to yeah. people in the market without trying to sell them something. Yeah. So that takes me to the, my, my next one, because I love that you need to have so many skills, right? When mm -hmm. you are in this kind of role um, and mm -hmm. the whole communication and to listen. And it's not everybody who can do that. It, it takes, sure. takes, you know, <laughs> it takes something there. But so how, um, if you, I know you're a coach as well. So how, how are you coaching somebody new or somebody who, who maybe just needs to change their behavior uh, and become a much better listener um, and ask this question to understand the, the customer? You know, I, I really think it is almost entirely uh, just sharing with them that they're supposed to. It's, it's, it's like they never thought of it. Right. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, in my work with teams, we often do like mock interviews and uh, uh, try and make sure that they know how to actually listen to what people are saying yeah. and, you know, follow what are called the five whys. You know, if you ask somebody a question, the first answer you get is the answer you already know. And it doesn't actually tell you anything. 
Yeah. But after, if you, if you pursue it, you're like, well, why is that? And why is that? Or tell me more or tell me about a story when that happened. You yeah. suddenly understand the context of it. And uh, f- for example, years ago, x-ray film was how uh, you made money in the x-ray business. So uh, the manufacturers made these big x-ray machines and they basically sold them like laser printers, you know, they roughly, they sold them for cost and then they made up all their money in the x-ray film. Yeah. And one day product manager was doing some work and saw, you know, consumable sales are down. What's going on here? So they went to the sales team and said, Hey, we see that consumable sales are falling off. What do you think is going on? Yeah. And they said, oh, you know, we have a new competitor. They have, I think they, they must have better resolution and faster processing time. And, you know, they're probably cheaper. And uh, the product manager said, well, there was a lot of I think and probably and maybe in that sentence. So let me go talk to some buyers and users. And the product manager went and talked to some actual doctors and the doctor said, well, you know, I don't really have that much control over the, you know, there was a lot of mealy mouth words going on. But then finally he said, you know what, I'll tell you the truth. Yeah. Your competitor has a watermark on the x-ray film that says this side up. So yeah. I can instantly orient the film and I don't look like a fool as I'm going, holding up the x-ray, trying to figure out, is yeah. this the lungs or is this the hip? You know, what, what am I looking at? Yeah. Uh, and I don't want to look like a fool in front of my patients or in front of my colleagues. Yeah. And so this one thing, this watermark was the only thing that differentiated this, their product from another product. And so simple, right? It's so simple, but you probably wouldn't have gotten that from a survey or a net promoter score feedback, or obviously from sales, you know, they always think it's product and and, and price. Yeah. Oh, that's a good, that's a really good feedback on it. Yeah. Yeah. Because it, it is to, to, the, to listen and, and learn the small nuggets, right? To say, what is it that is, can make their life easier mm-hmm. or more friction-free? And that, you know, mm-hmm. that example you just shared is make, making it just much easier. Yeah. And I love that word friction. Yeah. You know, it's not so much that we're looking for major problems or massive needs or anything. We're really just looking to reduce friction. Yeah. Uh, I have another medical story. My, my wife uh, uh, broke her foot a couple of weeks ago. She missed a step and she broke a, broke a metamuscarsal something. Yeah. And, <laughs> and the doctor said, unfortunately, we don't have crutches in your size. So you'll have to go buy some. And I called over to CVS and they said, Yo, yeah, you'll have to come by the store and, and look. Great. And I went, wait a minute. I don't. I don't leave the house that much, certainly not to go shopping. What are you talking about? So what do I do? The answer, of course, is go to Amazon. So I went to Amazon and looked for crutches in her sizes. And I realized after the fact, I was not looking at features at all. I was scamming through the list for only crutches that had next day delivery. Yeah. I mean, I found one that was cheaper and uh, was kind of nicer in some ways, but it was going to be a week before I got it. So I'm like, I, she can't go a week without crutches. You're so. saying, I'm not carrying her around. No, I'm just kidding. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and so, I, you know, they reduced the friction for me. I'm yeah. like, you know, they already have my address. You know, I don't have to drive around town holding up crutches and looking. I just found the size I wanted. I ordered it for next day delivery and it was here by lunchtime and she was now good on her crutches. 
Yeah. I no, found, they found friction for me and then they took it away. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, it's to understand, right? That user to be that one and, mm -hmm. and make it easy. So, um, mm -hmm. yeah, no, I and, and the goal of product management is to know and understand customers so well that we build products that sell themselves. Yeah. Easy for sales, right? No. Yeah. Uh, so what, what kind of other skills should a product manager have under their belt? Um, you know, there's a probably is a long list of hard and soft skills. I, I, I think one of the things I'd look for a lot in a, in a strong, particularly a strategic product manager is curiosity. Yeah. Um, and, and I don't know how actually you teach that, but uh, I, I'm, I'm dismayed when I run into product managers who are not very interested in the product that they manage. Uh, even though, you know, I, 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 I tell them, don't love your product, love the customer's problem and make the product, you know, do what they want. Um, but curiosity is one, but also a certain, this is going to sound weird, a certain ruthlessness in that we cannot say yes to everything. So you need to be really ruthless in prioritizing and saying no to people, yeah. uh, which is a skill that a lot of product managers, including me, struggle with. You know, I, I don't like saying no to the VP of sales, right? But I can't say yes to everything. No. Uh, and as you start looking at the needs of the many, you know, the market full of customers, instead of I talk to this one guy. Uh, you realize you you can't you know you can't build a business on I talk to one guy. Um, so uh, curiosity and uh, ruthless prioritization are two things that make for a great product manager. Yeah, I, I want to go back to, because when you said right, you know, love or have the passion right for your customers' problems, so you know mm -hmm. to make it easier for them. Um, I, I still think, and, and it's still there out in the world, right? There is so many product that was developed because you could. Right, or you mm -hmm. because of technology, and now you have the product, and then you're like, okay, where are my customers? And then mm -hmm. you're like trying to fit it in in different right. areas. Right. Um, so, have you worked with any any clients in that area? Yes, unfortunately, I have, and it's another one of those weird disconnect things that I, I just, you know, I assume that everybody is kind of already at the place where you're like, well, of course, you find problems first and build technology second, uh, and And yet it really is, in many cases, the reverse. They built this technology because it was cool to build or, you know, I don't really think developers build things that are cool to build, but it's like, I know it's possible to put these three or four parts together and I bet people would like it. So yeah. I think there, in general, I think there are two phrases that should, uh, should scare away investors and potential employees. Uh, the, the company that says, I talked to a guy is a completed research study. Or the other phrase is, um, if you build it, they will come. <laughs> And there, so there are a great many still technology-oriented companies that say, you know, this is possible, let's build it. And then they don't understand why people don't buy it. Yeah. Um, and usually it's not that they did something wrong. It's that they just didn't do enough of it. Uh, they, 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 they solved a part of the problem. Yeah. Uh, one of the other uh, uh, ideas in strategic product management is, is the idea of the whole product. You know, what is the customer ultimately trying to accomplish? 
And your part may just be part of that, right? The, the, the product that you think is done is just the technology bits, but it doesn't have, you know, implementation assistance or conversion from my old tool to my new tool or some of the things that you don't really think of as product. Yeah. Um, no, that's, that's, yeah, that's right. What about feedback? Because again, being a, a product manager and listening to your customer and listening mm -hmm. to everybody in your organization, um, you also have to be, to, to learn to listen to your feedback and it's True. not everybody, right? It can be, uh, it can be the good and the bad side of, of, of sure. some feedback in certain times. Um, how do, how do you teach or how do you coach somebody to, to be open on it and also be open to saying, hey, you, you, sometimes you need to change because things are changing around you? Well, certainly product, product managers don't have any problem getting feedback. Uh, the problem they have is they get too much feedback. Yeah. Uh, and generally, much of the feedback does seem to fall into the category of I talk to a guy, right? <laughs> uh, but, you know, I've, uh, I, I think one of the, oh, I think in general, we over value feedback from the sales team yeah who are talking to buyers rather than users for instance yeah uh and undervalue the support team and i've, I've always thought support was was like the, the the quiet hero inside most organizations yeah and it's to me so ironic that we spend so much money in marketing begging people to talk to our salespeople. yeah and then when they call support We do everything in our power to get them off the phone as soon as possible, which just seems backwards to me. But anyway, um, I have, uh, I think it's brilliant to build a relationship with the support organization and have them digest the information instead of just dumping it all in some database somewhere yeah, uh, yeah. saying, you know what, if here are the top three things that we wish we could do with the product that would make our lives so much easier. Yeah. And, and I, uh, uh, I, I, I value feedback from sales, uh, but just because you asked for it doesn't mean we're going to do it because I need to make sure it's you know, statistically valid, right? Yeah. So in general, I would say for a product manager to be looking for four kinds of feedback, competitive feedback uh, that, again, doesn't mean we're going to do it, but we need to be aware of what's going on with the competitor. Maybe they've got a brilliant idea that we can do something similar, yeah. or maybe they're doing something that we can use to position against them. Uh, so competitive feedback, um, user feedback of people who actually use the product on a daily basis, yeah. uh, buyer feedback, which is also sales feedback. Yeah. Um, and then feedback from, I don't know, everywhere else, including the executives, that is more visionary. You know, where do we want to be in three years, not where do we want to be in three weeks or three months? Yeah, definitely. No, no. It, and it's, it's, I think there's so many, much feedback that you can get. And, and going what you said just with customer service or the service department, mm -hmm. the friction-free, right? Right. The focus there, because the more the service is, you know, they can actually make this interaction if it's a customer or if it's a buyer, right? The more mm -hmm. faster and the friction-free you can make it, right? That goes going to shine and the customer will love you. Yeah. So, um, and again, you know, I think uh, to the point you made a, a few minutes ago, uh, so many product managers are so 
coupled so closely with development that they're not really e- exploring the entire journey that you just described. Yeah. You know, yeah. all the way from somebody is interested in, in learning more about our product. Have we, provi- have we provided them good customer tools? Like, yeah. I don't know, an assessment of your current situation and industry trends that will impact your business and, and non-salesy, but customer stuff all the way through to, uh, you know, the, the support line and the, uh, the services team uh, making that journey from I'm in- interested to your product all the way through to I'm a satisfied customer who will give you references. Yeah. Uh, that's, you know, we need to look at the whole journey, not just they bu- it's already been purchased. Now they're opening the box and, you know, what's in there. Yeah. So I, I want to share one of my experience. So I, I had to-, to make a call today. And again, right, I'm searching online. Can I get the, you know, can I actually get the answer? And I can, <laughs> cannot. So then I'm like, okay, what's the phone number? It takes time, right, to find that right. phone number. You get the phone number, you call, and then it's like. Your oh, call is important to us. Yeah, it's really important. We're going to record it. I'm like, okay, right. And then it's like, tell us more, right? What is your account? What is every detail? And I'm just like representative, represent. I, I'm calling because I want to talk to a person, right? You did not have the answer. I don't need to go through all this. So that was not friction free. So absolutely. Oh my absolutely. God. And, yeah. and my, I guess my favorite part of that, uh, favorite being in quotes, uh, is, you know, the, your call is important to us, which is why we're not answering it. Uh, <laughs> you know, we're, uh, we're we have an unexpected call volume, which is uh, apparently one person calling, uh, and and then they say, you know, instead of waiting on the call, a lot of people's questions can be answered on the website. Yeah. And I'm like, really? Yeah, you think I have not already been on your website? Yeah. <laughs> I remember years ago, I was looking to buy a new Windows computer, and I called the vendor. Uh, and I, I wanted to know this very, very specific thing. And I can't remember even what it was, but it was something like, you know, does it have a security lock on it? Cause it's a laptop and I use it in public areas or something like that. I, it, yeah. a trivial thing. Okay. And uh, he, and I, so I finally got through to the sales line and I said, I'm, I'm, I'm wanting to buy this ABC one, two, three model, whatever. Uh, and I want to know about the security lock. And, and he's like, oh, man, let me look at that. And he, I hear him futzing around and he's like, it's got this and this and this. He's answering a bunch of questions I did not have. And then finally I went, wait a minute. Are you on the same page of the website that I'm on? Yeah. And he said, um, yeah, actually I am. I'm, I'm looking at the specs and I'm like, yeah, I've been there. I've already done that. Yeah. And so, you know, they didn't even provide support to their support team. They don't have documents that I don't have. Everything's on the web, but I know how to use the web. Yeah. 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 No. Yeah. The whole behavior, right? How you look for information has just changed. And then even in the last two years has been Mm -hmm. speeding up as well. So uh, very true. All the companies, right? Please add more information on the web, on your website in a yeah. proper way. <laughs> indeed, indeed. Like a search button wouldn't hurt. Yeah, right. Right. Yeah. I think it's so funny. Have you seen the chat bot where it says, "If we get disconnected, what is your email?" I'm like, we're not getting disconnected, right? It's like <laughs> <laughs> that's like also an old way of, um, yeah. Let me get all your information. Um, Very true. 
Yeah. Okay. So for, for product management, right? If you look like ahead, like five to 10 years in, ahead in time, what, what kind of skills do you see or do you think that they should have in five to 10 years? You know, I think most of the basics will still be the same. I think what's, I know what we'll see in the next five years and, and very much 10 is just a plethora of data. And I think product managers are going to have to learn to be, you know, amateur data scientists. Uh, we're going to have to know how to access data. And yet today, it's rather amazing uh, how little data people have. I mean, I was talking to a team recently and they don't have revenue at the product level. They don't have... Uh, they don't know how many open trouble tickets there are. I mean, they, they don't know hardly anything. Wow. And yet there's it, data, of course, is just exploding. And so many of the questions that you need answers to are, should be, and are in most cases available in your various business systems, if only you had, had a, a access to them. Yeah. And yeah. one exercise I did recently was so funny. Somebody said, in the discussion, well, you know, I go into our trouble ticketing system for that. And the other 16 product managers went, wait, you have access to the trouble ticketing system? <laughs> and she said, the product manager said, uh, oh, well, yeah, I used to be in support before I was in product management and I still have my login. And somebody else said, you know, that's funny. I used to be in sales and I still have my Salesforce login. And everybody else went, wait, you've got a Salesforce login? And so, you know, there's marketing databases and sales databases and support databases and finance databases. Yeah. So I think, I hope over the next five years, we're going to finally figure out how to broker all of this data yeah. that we have. Um, and then we'll be able to really do some smart things with data Yeah. as you know, all, uh, the, you know, the data scientists, and, and I'll go a step further. I also think the data scientists are still like programmers 25 years ago. They're like, I'm going to come up with an interesting question and I'm going to play with the data and I'm going to write some Python and I'm going to do some R and I'm going to come back and present this information to you as, as yeah. this wondrous insight. Uh, but largely it's, it's from a, a standpoint of, I just thought this would be a cool thing to program. Yeah. And I think leadership and product management have not yet taken the lead there saying, here, here are some interesting questions that we're thinking about. Can you help us find the data and, and, and rationalize the data? Yeah. Uh, I remember hearing uh, that, I, I forget, Walmart or Target or somebody had mined their data and found that people buy more strawberries when it's 72 degrees than when it's 68 degrees. And so they now can forecast the weather at my target and decide to whether to put the strawberries in the front or in the back based on the season, which I think is kind of clever and kind of brilliant and kind of creepy a little bit. Yeah. But um, that's the kind of, I think, the kind of insights that we should be able to get through data. But I, I still believe that nothing replaces a face-to-face -face conversation, either on, you know, on Zoom or in the real world. Yeah, no, I know. So we need both, right? We yeah. need data, but we also need interaction. Yeah, and the data will show you trends, right? Because mm -hmm. that's, and that's where you can then make some good decisions. Absolutely. Uh, but but also with data, right? Because again, if you have all these departments, and that's my experience, 
you know, you need good data in to get good data out. If you have Absolutely. data, it's bad data that comes out. So, and we've been saying that for how many two. years? <laughs> My dad, I think, said it in uh, the '60s yeah. somewhere. So, yeah, yeah, that's a long way for some companies. Yeah. Um, okay, let's then we're like traveling in time here. So, if you should give yourself an advice, if you're not look, looking like 20 years back, what kind of advice would you give yourself? I'm rather well known for a quote that I've been using for quite a while that, um, that is this. Uh, the advice to my younger self is your opinion, while interesting, is irrelevant. What a product manager's job is not, a product manager's job is not to come up with the big idea. It's to understand the problems in the market, to understand the markets and the competitive landscape and, you know, do, you know, the, the research to uh, identify a problem that's worth solving and then work with a technical team to solve it. So it's not so much the product manager going in and saying, hey, programmers, I need this thing, which they are still doing. Yeah. So here we are 20, 30 years later after your <laughs> scenario, we still have product managers going in and saying, hey, guys, build me this thing. Yeah. And we've, we've learned from uh, decades of experience that product manager's job is to say what, never how. Development's job is to say how. Yeah. Um, and and I, it feels like that's just like this this uh, tautology that, that all product managers have, and yet I find still don't. And in my first job as a product manager, I had such a good lesson. I, I, I thought my job was to come up with the answer, you know, and I, I sat down with my lead developer and I said, um, I really want to do well here. You know, how can I contribute? And he said, Never tell me how. <laughs> tell me, tell me what's going on with the business. And he said, to be honest with you, I'd like to know where's the product selling, where is it not selling? Uh, tell me about recent wins and losses. Tell me about your promotion campaigns that are planned, and tell me about the business of the product, and let me determine what features you need. And and even today, when I tell that story, I can see people cringing. They're like, wait, I don't. I don't want to do that kind of work. Well, guess what? That's product management. Yeah. Being the expert on what and who, not the how. Yeah. Awesome. So if uh, any from Mind Innovation listener, you know, wants to find you and connect with you, how can they, how can they find you? Well, I'm somewhat active on Twitter at SJohnson717. And now you also know my birthday. So on July 17th, you can tweet a happy birthday to me. Uh, you can also re reach me through our website at productgrowthleaders.com. Awesome. And I'll, I'll make sure to put the links in the, in the show notes and also on the mindinnovation.com. Wonderful. So, thank you so much. This was just a fun talk today, Steve. And, and just, you know, with the whole experience, right? What we observed, I think, it's just, it's just funny that it's still there. And maybe sometimes the funny can be a little bit sad. Um, but, Indeed. You know, yeah. <laughs> but so anybody listening, right? Please think about the friction-free. <laughs> friction-free, absolutely. Yeah. Well, okay. thank you. It's been a it's been a good time. Okay, thanks. Invite me back sometime. Oh, I will invite you back. All right. Thanks for listening to this episode of Mind Innovation Podcast. 
New episodes are dropping bi-weekly, so make sure you're following wherever you get your podcast. You can find me on LinkedIn, search for Sana Vinding. You can also find me on YouTube, search for Mind the Innovation, or go to my website, sanavinding.com or mindtheinnovation.com. Stay curious, keep learning. <laughs>